Challenger SRT Demon. That's a good name for a car. 840 horsepower. Woo-wee! And talking about your uh, your old-timey, um, you know, muscle cars that were like 200-some horsepower. We got this uh, text. What makes the muscle cars from back in the day exciting is that they have terrible handling. Right. <laughs> Most had four-wheel drum brakes. They had soft suspensions, and taking a corner at speed is like trying to put a paper bag over the head of an angry gorilla. Exactly. <laughs> That's where the challenge is. <laughs> wow, that's some good writing, my friend. I salute you. And one more. I drive a Shelby Mustang that's got 700-plus horsepower. He said, you can tell me when, when you see me because I'm the guy with the S-eating grin on my face. Mm. Yeah, I got to admit, I'm one of those people that gets a kick out of that. I realize that in the modern society, that means you're just a dumb brute of a man, but I get a that's kick out a resp- of it. That's toxic masculinity. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. By the way, we were talking during the commercials about SUVs with 600 horsepower, and I think that's a terrible idea because the center of gravity is too high. Uh, comedian Will Ferrell says he's uh, he's okay. He was in a uh, crash on I-5 uh, in Orange County. His uh, SUV was sideswiped and rolled, but he's okay. Anchor man is. Uh, he was actually uh, heading back from an event in San Diego. Stay classy. Said, yeah! <laughs> but luckily, he's okay. Yeah, good. Um, okay, moving along. Please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Jen's Eric Gold, the editor in chief and co founder, co developer of the Knife Media said uh, website. The so, knife media. It's a website all about cutlery, different sized blades, no, see, folding and uh, not. No, you're misinformed. Headlines are addictive. Media is polarizing. News leaves a bad aftertaste. You can cut through it all. There you go. The Knife Media. Jens, how are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing well. And you? Excellent. Excellent. Listen, let's just start at the top of your webpage for our annual, our annual, our weekly chat about news and bias and spin and that sort of thing. Um, headline number one. Well, I tell you what, let's go with Zuckerberg first. Four headlines on Zuckerberg's testimony deconstructed. What do you think of the coverage? Uh, what do you have to say on it? Well, look, I mean, one great thing about the media is most people don't have the time to watch five hours of testimony. So the media condenses the facts for you, and that's a beautiful thing. But in this case, it condensed the facts and added a lot of subjective spin and opinion. And what was interesting was... I'd like to just jump in and that that has been my experience since I started really getting into news, that all these hearings, these are the most misreported things that happen in America. Because they're so long, the media has so much opportunity to shade it completely whatever direction they want to. Yeah, they can slant, which means they can cherry-pick particular quotes and emphasize those. And if you go and, and listen to the full hearing, you go, wait a minute, that's not the impression right. I got at all. And, yep, I've had that happen many times. Yeah, and what was interesting about this one is that they, they cherry-picked it and spun it in different directions. So some outlets uh, portrayed it positively. So you could see that he did a good job. And some portrayed it negatively, but they used the exact same facts. And it was the same hearing. So that's evidence that, well, they're both spun just in different ways. There you go. Yeah, um, I'm interested here. Uh, CNN's headline was Zuckerberg unscathed after five-hour Senate grilling session. Um, yeah, yeah, that I, I disagree. I think he came off as an incredibly capable supervillain. <laughs> How's that for spin? That, that, that's actually definitely factual. We should yeah. go with that one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Fox News, Zuckerberg touts plan to protect Facebook users, but Congress appears skeptical. That seems like a pretty good headline to me. Well, 
If you look at the story, remember last week we talked about subtle spin words? The but in there is important. So the but weighs the skeptical Congress more than him touting his plan. A lot of weight in the butt, you're saying. But's a, yeah. There's a lot of butt weight, yeah. Yes, that, that, you know, but is a good word that, uh, to keep an eye out for. That does shade things. Excellent. I learn something every time we talk to you. Okay, let's. Oh, good. How, how did you? How did? How would you have? Or I don't even know if you do this, but uh, how would you have uh, summarized all the testimony if you watched the whole thing? Well, we did our own raw data uh, of the testimony, where you know it's it's a scientific process. You got to weigh it out. You got to look first of all, no spin, no subjective opinion, just the facts of what he said and what the senator said, and then you you balance it as much as possible. You, you try to do as unbiased an account as you can, and it's impossible to be 100% objective. But if you do the best you can, you can get closer, and that's just not the effort that's being made in most media outlets. So, right. but you can read our raw data and see. I mean, it's a very different experience when you read it that way. Another headline from theknifemedia.com, a bias towards conflict, the coverage of Trump's Syria tweets. Tell us about it. Well, with this one, look, I mean, the the tweet itself, um, you know, you can say what you want. It's provocative. Maybe it's alarming. Maybe it does. Russia vows to shoot down any and all missiles fired at Syria. Get ready, Russia, because they will be coming nice and new and smart. That's the one we're talking about. That's the one we're talking about. Uh, but the thing is, is the way a lot of outlets covered it jumped to conclusions and emphasized the likelihood that this means we're going to war with Russia in Syria. Now, that could happen, but there are also other potential outcomes, and they didn't talk much about the other one. It reminded us a lot of North Korea a few months ago. Remember uh, the Rocket Man tweets and all of that? Well, at the time, the news pretty much had us believing that we were going to war with North Korea. Now, a few months later, that hasn't happened. And in fact, it might, my relations might be getting better. I mean, Trump's supposed to meet Kim next month, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to war with Russia, but the news points us in that direction. It's almost as if they want us to go to war. Yeah, what do you take from a story like this one uh, and, and North Korea, I suppose, where MSNBC and Fox are leaning the same direction? Almost everybody's shading the same direction. Is that just because war sells newspapers or gets eyeballs? Well, I, I'm not in their, in their uh, assignment room, so I can't tell you for sure. But I can tell you that, yes, the drama does, does sell. And, and actually, you know, the, we did a piece um, this week as well called 50 Ways to Spin the Phrase Trump Said. Wow. And so we looked at all the, all the different ways that the media takes the phrase Trump said or Trump, Trump tweeted and spins it. So, you know, some words make him look angry. Some make him look violent. You've got words like slams and scolds and hammers and takes a jab at and blasts and scorns. There's 50 of them. And we did a whole list. And, and you would suggest that they should just say Trump said and let people decide for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because then people can evaluate what they think of it. And if they think that he's being violent or angry, great. And maybe he was. But if the news tells you that that's definitely what he was, then it's telling you what to think. And that doesn't help us think critically. Yeah, and I'm aware of those words, and it still puts an impression in my head. So it's it's difficult to deal with. Wow, where is yeah. that article, Jens? Uh, That's a good one. Jens Eric Gold, editor-in-chief of The Knife Media. Where is that on site? If you uh, click on uh, on more topics and you click on spin, you'll see it as the first one. Ah, I see. You know, back, back to the war thing for just a second. Um, if all the news outlets are talking about how we're near war and you're the news outlet that says, I don't think we're really that close, you're definitely not going to get 
as many viewers, eyeballs, etc. It's kind of like when we're talking about weather in the summertime, if you're in a hot climate, you want to be the outlet that's got it saying it's 101. If you're saying it's 99, that's just you don't get as much exciting and as much excitement or as much attention. So, yeah. yeah I, and it- there's an incentive to do that also as a reporter. I mean, I was a reporter for many years in, in, in our newsrooms. It's, it's not it's not stated overtly, but there is a implied incentive to dramatize because you you get more clicks, you get sure. rewards that way, and it, you know it's not necessarily a good way of doing things. No, uh, you have also uh, delved into the coverage of the Michael Cohen raid. Anything in particular leap out? Well, this one was interesting because. We did a little experiment, and we the, the, the articles. So we we analyze a number of articles for all these stories, right? And we we run it through our whole analysis process. The ones we chose came out right when the news broke, so they were shorter, and they turned out to be very fact based. Well, oh, that's interesting. So there wasn't much spin. And then a few hours later, we took a look at the updated versions, and lo and behold, there was a lot more spin. So what happened? How did that happen? Well, the first thing is, you know, we, we hypothesized that you know, when when a story first breaks, they're still gathering the news. So they don't have time to, you know, wax and wane with all this editorializing. But the other thing that was interesting is by the time the updates came out, Trump had commented on it. And once Trump was in the story and they put his comments, then they sensationalized his comments, which made the story more fun. And so lesson learned potentially is you want to read factual news, read it when it first breaks or read stories that don't involve the president. That is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Trump slammed the move Monday. Trump lashed out. Trump, in an extraordinarily angry response, a furious Trump escalated his attacks. I mean, again, listen, I like vivid writing. I like, you know, good, interesting writing. Um, I I don't necessarily want to read science-based news all the time, but I do think there's absolutely a value in understanding how you're being led. Right. Yeah, and we say it all the time. There's nothing wrong with opinion, and, and op-ed pages are great. And if you're going to write an editorial, wonderful. We write them, too. But acknowledge them as, as op-eds, right? Or, or if you want to read, you know, poetry or novels or entertainment or sensational, whatever, fine. But just acknowledge that that's what it is. The problem is when you pass it off as fact and as news because it's not. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, at the, the knifemedia.com and looking at a variety of, of stories that, um, you guys rate the total integrity of of uh, the various news outlets, and as we pointed out before, I mean, here's one story where the uh, the BBC gets eighty percent total integrity, and the Washington Post gets thirty eight percent. You know, here's another story where the Wapo does much much better. Here's Bloomberg at the top of the heap, and CNN at the bottom. Um, then over here, Newsweek leads the field, and the HuffPo is pathetic. So you guys do your thing without regard to ideology to whatever extent is humanly possible. Yeah, we just we, we look at in fact our analysts when they when they analyze the stories they do it blind so they don't know which outlet it is. Oh. Um, great yeah. idea. Nice. Great nice. idea because we you know, it, it's hard to fight off, you know, your perceptions when when you go in if you know ahead of time. Okay, so, so folks can uh, enjoy it. We've posted at armstrongandgetty.com under the hot link section the link to 50 ways to spin the phrase Trump said. Uh, people can get to know theknifemedia.com. Eric Jens, or I'm sorry, Jens Eric Gould. Uh, Jens, we appreciate it very much. Good to talk to you. It's great to be on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Trump scolded, Trump blasted, Trump claimed. 
obviously Trump all those words whimpered yeah all, simpered <laughs> all those words slurred. decide to lean you a certain direction just say trump said let me figure out what i think it means yeah i guess okay so uh if you want to go violent and they have examples of all of this trump slammed tears into scolds Hammers, rails, took a jab at, rips, lashed out, fires back, blasts, traded online barbs, war of words, attacking, scathing early morning tweet, etc. Then that's, there's also angry, that was attacks. Vince anger erupted, Vince frustration, rant, rages, fumed, angrily tweeted, foul mouth tantrums, blistering comments, tweet storm, arrogant, bragged repeatedly, boasts, gloats, gloats, blusters, and on and on it goes. Erupted's a good one, because only, you know unhinged people erupt, so. Or did he just say it? He erupted. I was there. All right. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. I just called my son before his big presentation in school today. His worry will not shock you, especially you, hmm. given your personality. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. H&M is reportedly struggling to deal with over $4 billion in unsold merchandise. Just throw it on the floor, said TJ Maxx. I don't know why I find that I don't funny. get that. Is that uh, you? Uh, you ever shop at TJ Maxx? Nah, that's no? why you don't get it. That, that, yeah. would, that would hurt. That would hurt your opportunity. <laughs> right? So. Yeah, yeah. Explain um, it to us. What had they throw stuff on well, the floor? There's a lot of the people that shop there. Apparently, feel like it's okay. Oh, apparently, to just leave stuff laying uh, around on the floor. Yeah. A lot of people that work there too seem to be perfectly <laughs> fine with just leaving the stuff on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> they have the piling system for many of their, their yeah. clothes racks. Uh, you get a good deal, though. Um, before we get back to the biggest story of the day, probably the week, next week. Um, so my son's got his like first ever academic presentation thing today, oh. where you stand up and speak. Oral presentation. And they invited the parents, so the parents are going, and um, it's on uh, Velociraptors. Second grade? Second grade, okay. it's a group thing, four people in each group, oh. and, and he had mentioned yesterday that he was nervous, <laughs> and I thought, I want to talk to him about that, because a lot of people really have nerve, nervous about public speaking and all that sort of That's stuff. That's some good dad. And I thought I'd talk to him a little bit about that and tell him, it's in, it's in your genes, boy. It's in your genes. <laughs> Just let your DNA take over. You're okay. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Our people can jabber. That's what we do. That's our thing. Standing up in front of people and talking. Um... But so then I called him this morning because I didn't get a chance to last night or forgot. And uh, I called him this morning to talk to him. I said, you said you were a little bit nervous and, and uh, I just want to talk to you about that. And he said, well, I'm not nervous. I know my part. That's not going to be a problem. It's the other people I'm working oh, with. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, that's a completely oh, boy. different. <laughs> <laughs> now I get what you meant about me. All right. That's yeah. a completely different thing. So we talked about that. He said one of them. I won't mention any names, obviously, because, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um. 
can says nothing but um. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. I said you can't let other people's performance bother you. I mean that's their thing. Just, just hold just focus, up your end. Just right? focus on your part. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I then resent them for the rest of your life for making you look worse. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm looking at you, Johnny, in fourth grade. (laughs) Anyway, I can't wait to see how that turns out. So we have so little time. How much time do we have, Michael? Oh, no, we have more. Okay, we're all right. Uh, So uh, ABC has leaked some of the George Snuffleupagus, James Comey interview. Leaked. About Comey's new uh, book, Trump's a Liar and I Hate Him. That's that's not the official title. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Trump embarrassed me, so I'm out to get him, is the name of his book. (laughs) That's even better. But here's how some of it went. We'll play it and and pause it and talk about it. January 6, 2017, Trump Tower. FBI Director James Comey set to meet President-elect Donald Trump for the first time. As you headed into Trump Tower that day, were you nervous? Yes. Comey was with a group of intelligence agency heads briefing Trump and his top aides on how the Russians interfered in our election. President-elect Trump's first question was to confirm that it had no impact on the election. And then the conversation, to my surprise, moved into a PR conversation about how the Trump team would position this and what they could say about this. They actually started talking about drafting a press release with us still sitting there. And the reason that was so striking to me is that That's just not done, that the intelligence community does intelligence, the White House does PR and spin. You also said you were struck. Okay, just two things on that. One, um, the the first question being, did it have any effect on the outcome? That's a perfectly legitimate question, I think. Oh, yeah. If you're going to govern the country, you would absolutely want to know that. Now, Trump is insecure and easily butthurt and so wanted to know it for those reasons as well, but it's a legitimate question. The fact that they went into PR mode and were discussing with the intelligence people looking at them, uh, like I said earlier, I think that speaks to their, their, they're not government people, they're not... I mean, if somebody pointed out to me and I'm in that room, we really should be looking at the whole, how do we stop Russia? For, yeah, you're right, that probably is the big picture here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was rookie, uh, a rookie... Not even a mistake, but just an odd thing to do. There's a little bit of uh, Comey, the longtime insider, tut-tutting at the dumb hicks. Right. Uh, A little bit, yeah. The White House does PR and spin. You also said you were struck by what they didn't ask. Very much. No one, to my recollection, asked, so what? What's coming next from the Russians? How might we stop it? What's the future look like? It was all... What can we say about what they did and how it affects the election that we just had? Okay. Comey then asked to meet all alone. Right, okay, with- we got to pause it, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into more of this. This is all ABC has released so far, this four minutes, so we'll play a little more of it. The show is uh, Sunday night. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Russia is claiming the chemical attack in Syria was staged and is naming who directed it. Story oh. coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Can't wait to hear this. It'll be very, very informative. Yeah, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So I was looking at the most popular articles in the New York Times. They've got a section most popular. It's the stuff that people forward the most. Right. 
Uh, and number one is I downloaded the information that Facebook has on me, yikes, that I read from yesterday. You know, I read that entire article. We could go right back to it and, and spend a segment or two on the stuff that you didn't leave in because there was so much there. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, and troubling. And the fact, yeah, the fact that this article is so popular shows that a lot of people are worried about how much stuff Facebook has on you and is kept. And the amount they have and have kept is amazing, and it is dwarfed by what Google keeps on you. Yeah. News now with Marsha Phillips. The U.N. Security Council now holding an emergency meeting about the crisis in Syria. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley saying that President Trump has not yet made a decision about possible actions in Syria. You don't rush decisions like this. If you rush decisions like this, you make a mistake. What we're making sure is that we have all the information to know if we do something, what will happen, how will it happen, and will it hurt anyone? Will it hurt anyone? Well, you'd hate to have a war that hurt anyone. Well, that's what we're looking for, Nikki. We want to lay a hurting on old Assad. That's a hell of a thorny question, though. We're going to yeah. do what... And then, and then, what's our goal here? We just want to punch him in the mouth. Just want to make it hurt. You're going to use chemical weapons. We're going to punch you in the mouth. And then, if your foe has vowed to strike back, yes, Russia has. Yes, you got to be prepared for that. Well, you they have might. To, you have to have a hell of a serious discussion about how important that mouth punching is. I mean, is it so important you're willing to risk war? And, of course, you know, the sub-question is how likely is it Russia will decide, you know what, it's time to stand up to the U.S. That's not super likely. But it is all a a bunch of guesswork. Meanwhile, the Russian military is saying the chemical attack in Syria was staged and directed by Britain. Oh, the Brits. The Russian defense ministry releasing statements by medics from the hospital where the suspected attack occurred. The medics supposedly saying that a group of people came in touting uh, toting video cameras. They came into the hospital shouting that its patients were struck with chemical weapons and setting off mass panic. That makes perfect sense. The Brits gassed all those little children. That makes no sense whatsoever. There's just no plausibility to that at all. Uh, it's almost funny. If you went, I, I thought they were going to go with the rebels did it to themselves to try to get international help. That at least is plausible. Yeah. The uh, Russians say that the medics they talked to said none of the patients were hurt by chemicals. You know what? I hadn't heard until fairly recently, and it makes perfect sense, and I think it was uh, James Mattis was talking about this. Um, there, uh, There is not a plane that takes off, flies, or lands, nor a helicopter that we don't track the entire time. Right. That we and, and our various allies. And we tracked a regime helicopter taking off, flying, hovering over where the chemical weapons were and dropping some sort of ordinance. We saw all that. And according to, you know, you conspiracy theorists who believe your websites but nothing else are going to say that's all a big lie. But that's evidently the information we have. So unless they dropped, I don't know, Halloween candy, and moments later the Brits snuck in and gassed all those people... It would seem the Assad regime dropped that ordinance. Well, and France says they have their own independent confirmation, but didn't say how. And independent chemical weapons inspectors are heading to the area. They're going to be gathering evidence. They're expected to arrive there tomorrow. So you got uh, this other team uh, moving into the area. 
How much evidence is uh, left? I'm glad Syria doesn't have so much oil, or oil's not the thing anymore, because then everybody would be claiming that's why we're doing it, so we can grab the oil, like with Iraq. No interview. NBC News reporting special counsel Robert Mueller's office and President Trump's legal team are now going forward with strategies that presume a Trump interview with Mueller's office likely will not take place. The two sides have been talking for months about this interview, but the process reportedly collapsed the likelihood of it plunged after the FBI raided the home, the office, and hotel room of Trump's longtime personal attorney, Michael Cohen. Says who? Well, says the FBI. They put out a news release. Says who? Says everybody. Well, well I, I've already answered your question. Nobody's denying And your okay. question is? <laughs> I didn't ask a question. Which polls? <laughs> okay. Then it always must end with... Okay. <laughs> By the way, separate yes. topic. Don't want to yeah. get bogged down here. Read a good article the other day. Where was it? About Mueller. Bathroom? On the toilet? <laughs> it said, yeah, I was sitting in the toilet. Yeah. And uh, it said, let's slow down a little on the whole Mueller's the greatest everything. Every, every, every. Um, he's the one that was behind the FBI's awful failed, got sued for millions of dollars investigation of the anthrax attacks right and Mueller and was behind that going after two people that one we know didn't do it the other one probably didn't do it but he killed himself who they ruined their lives because mm-hmm. they were uh tapping their phones and going through their files and and the one guy and we, leaking who they were and leaking who they were the one guy got six million dollars because he was completely innocent while the fbi under Mueller was going after this guy and it was their number one priority so Mueller's not without, you know, uh, the ability to make mistakes. Well, yeah, if you go through Mueller's history and Comey's and Rosenstein's, they all have their sins and their, you know, those who wish to draw conclusions are drawing plenty of conclusions about how clearly they were working for the Clintons or the Foundation or what have you. You know, I'd, I'd have to spend the rest of my life chasing down the alleged leads. But And law professor, what's his name, uh, Dershowitz, has been saying, hey, lefties, let's not forget who the FBI's been throughout history. Let's not be so quick to jump to their side, okay? That just shows you that is such a great example of how partisanship trumps all. The left has been the has been abused by the FBI for much of the FBI's history because it was traditionally a very conservative organization, conservative politically. Right. Um, and all of a sudden, now they're knights in shining armor because they help advance your cause. What's the matter with you people? We now rejoin the latest Kardashian chapter of love and romance already in process. <laughs> Chloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson have welcomed their baby girl together. Just days after video of him cheating on her surfaced, and according to TMZ, Chloe delivered her baby girl early Thursday morning in a hospital outside of Cleveland. Courtney. What are they doing in Cleveland? He plays for Cleveland. Yes. Oh. He's a Cleveland Cavalier. Courtney. She's standing by her man, even as he stands by whores. Uh, and they're yes. not married. The reports no. were that she wanted to leave, but she was so far along in the pregnancy that she wasn't able to fly. Yeah. So they were, she was kind of stuck there. Her family came out to visit her. Right. I don't know why I know that all this. sucks, but. man. You're just days away from giving birth, and a big story breaks about your husband being with a strip club bartenders or whatever. Not even husband, just boyfriend. That's right. They've been dating since 2016. This is Chloe's first child. Still, no name has been announced mm. for the baby girl. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of a nation.
We'll roll some more of the Comey Stephanopoulos interview. This is the portion that ABC put out to tease us for the big special on Sunday night, which is going to get huge ratings. I have some ideas for the name of the child. Yes. Cacoldia. Bastardina. Aichita. <laughs> Cacoldia. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's rough. Well, they'd probably come up with a nickname for Bastardina. <laughs> yeah. It's not the kid's fault. Yeah, but you want to have it in his face for the rest of his life. Wow. <laughs> stay, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Try that this weekend. Walk up to a woman and say, I'm your boogeyman. That's what I am. See see how she reacts. Challenge yourself. See how that works out for you. If that feels, say, you are one foxy lady. (laughs) I'll have my shoulders shaking. I'll have my fingers in a pointing manner. (laughs) I'm your boogeyman. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So James Comey's new book. Yeah. A higher loyalty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a higher loyalty is out, and uh, the New York Times review of it is. Uh, they pointed this out. I thought this was good. A higher loyalty is the first big memoir by a key player in the melodrama that is the Trump administration. That alone makes it pretty intriguing, because mm-hmm. uh, it's the first big book to be written in this very exciting time that we live in. <laughs> it's trumpestuous, Jack. That's right, these trumpestuous times. Yeah. Here's more of uh, Snuffleupagus and Comey. Comey then asked to meet alone with Trump to warn him about that now infamous Steele dossier, unverified information on Trump's ties to Russia, including allegations of Trump's encounters with prostitutes in Moscow. I'm about to meet with a person who doesn't know me, has just been elected president of the United States by all accounts and from my watching him during the campaign could be volatile and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. Was there any choice there? uh, Why, if this was salacious and this particular part of the dossier unverified, still unverified by the way? Yes. So far as when I got fired, it was unverified. Did you tell him that the Steele dossier had been financed by his political opponents? No. I didn't, I didn't even think I used the term Steele dossier. I just talked about additional material. Did, but did he have a right to know that? That it had been financed by his political opponents? I don't know the answer to that. It wasn't necessary for my goal, which was to alert him that we had this information. How graphic did you get? I think as graphic as I needed to be. I started to tell him about... The allegation was that he had been involved with prostitutes in a hotel in Moscow in 2013 during a visit for the Miss Universe pageant and that the Russians had uh, filmed the episode and he interrupted very defensively and started talking about it, you know, do I look like a guy who needs hookers and I assumed he was asking that rhetorically. I didn't answer that, and I just... Hold on, on just a second. I like that for one thing. (laughs) You didn't answer that? Uh, No, you do not. Yes, yes, you do, actually. Um, So that's a question I have, and uh, people with more knowledge need to tell me. 
I don't understand why this whole Trump dossier thing is so confusing to me. So verified by no one, funded by people who hated Trump. All the intelligence agencies say we don't think it's true. All the media outlets said we're not even going to run with this. As much as they hated Trump, none of the media outlets went with it because it's so obviously crap on the face of it. It just doesn't even sound, to use the word again, plausible, like something that would even happen. Mm -hmm. So does the FBI director need to sit down and talk to the president about that? When, When media outlets who hate him won't even run it? Or was he just trying to get in Trump's face with something? Well, there are aspects of the dossier, I'm told, that are very dry. They're just standard intelligence gathering junk. Maybe uh, bring up? The PP party? Not so much. Why are you talking about that? That just seems weird to me. Dry was probably a poor choice of words, given the context. (laughs) So anything that's not wet you want to hear about. (laughs) Exactly. It's hookers, and I... Assumed he was asking that rhetorically. I didn't answer that, and I just moved on and, and explained, sir, I'm not saying that we credit this. I'm not saying we believe it. We just thought it very important that you know. Did you tell him you thought it wasn't true, or you didn't know if it was true or not? I said we're not saying that. I'm not saying that I believe the allegations. I'm not saying that I credit it. I never said I don't believe it, because I, I couldn't say one way or another. How weird was that briefing? Really weird. It was almost an out-of-body experience for me. I was floating above myself, looking down, saying, you're sitting here briefing the incoming president of the United States about prostitutes in Moscow. Yeah, but you, didn't have, but you don't have to be. That's what I'm saying. If you went with everything that uh, that gets floated around about politicians, you'd have to tell them all kinds of crap. That, that media outlets, even hostile media outlets, won't print because they think it'd be too embarrassing to their reputation to print. I mean, because are you going to sit, would they have sat down with Hillary and said, they believe you're running a sex ring out of a pizza parlor? Hmm. Would they have told her that? Or would they just discounted that as crap? Alex Jones is saying this. We thought you should know. Really? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know. You seem to feel strongly about it. I, just, I, just, I don't I just, know. I, I'm not positive. I don't know either. But yeah. but him saying, I, I just, of course, it was very weird to be talking to the president about prostitutes being. Yeah, that's because you nobody believed it. Nobody. Nobody. So why are you even talking about it? Even the Washington Post and New York Times said, we're not running that. Right. It's obviously wacky. Right. It's got the stench of wackiness about it, among other things. <laughs> you oh. can't stop going there, can you? I do this for a living. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. All right, moving along. Moscow. January 27th. At a private dinner in the White House, President Trump raises the issue again. Says he may want me to investigate it to prove that it didn't happen. And then he says uh, something that distracted me because he said, you know, if there's even a 1% chance my wife thinks that's true, that's terrible. And I, and I remember thinking, how could your wife think there's a one percent chance you were with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow. <laughs> I'm a flawed human being, but there's literally zero chance that my wife would think that was true. So what kind of marriage to what kind of man does your wife think there's only a ninety nine percent chance? Well, come on. Well, all right, come on, come on. That's very fair, man. It's very fair. What are you doing, Comey? What are you doing? He's answering the questions that are being asked. He's not exactly covering himself in glory here. What the hell? You know what? Honestly, 
<laughs> That's very fair. Mr. President, uh, <laughs> sir, you've uh, gotten with uh, porn stars who are known to perform every act known in the Kama Sutra, uh, as well as uh, Playboy bunnies who think they may be able to get a job out of it. And so it, while it is a stretch, sir, it's not it's not entirely implausible that, yeah, you would hire a, cush, a couple of Russian hoes to wee-wee on each other. I'd say 1% to 4% chance, sir. <laughs> That's what I would have argued. Uh, that that uh, that uh, poor little Melania. What do you? I don't know. She falls in love. She comes over from Plutonia or Romania, wherever she's from. <laughs> oh, disappointment label. after disappointment. I'm not buying that argument. There. Come on. So so what he's saying is there is a chance that what kind of marriage is that? Come no, on. No, he's just saying. Look, this stuff's out in the open now. I I just I want my wife to know that it's all crap. You know, that that's not out so there. So I'm thinking to myself, what kind of marriage must they have oh, where his up. wife would believe that God, that's... He is a learned man with a lot of experience and I don't know, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that, a little sanctimonious. That's a stretch. <laughs> I, yeah, that's exactly right. That's a stretch. I'm glad he said it. Oh, yeah, it's very entertaining. <laughs> Having the former Please. FBI director say that sentence out loud is Please, very entertaining. I'm not complaining. <laughs> But, yeah, come on. So there's more of that, huh? Uh, there's like another 30, 40 seconds. I mean, that's straight out of Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance. <sighs> These are odd times. Really? I hadn't noticed that. Mm. Yeah, no, now that you mention it, they are. They're in a word, trumpestuous. <laughs> you're going to get that going? Give me a little trademark on it? T-shirts are not selling well, frankly. I may have overordered. They'll catch on. It's a slow build. It's going to take off like the fidget spinner. Biggest thing in the country. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.